welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. You're listening to season two. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. This podcast is fueled by Ditto, a team that is on a mission to eliminate team burnout by implementing systems and processes that streamline your business's growth. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. Thanks for tuning into In Systems We Trust. My name is Mark He, and I am your host. And today I'm super excited to be sharing this episode with you. It's a previous recording with the founder and CEO of AppBind. And this gentleman goes by the name of Sunir Shah. Now, Sunir, you know, and AppBind, they work with marketing agencies to both manage software and ads for their clients in order to win long-term, high-value service contracts without getting stuck in the middle of all the client billings. And uh, I'm really excited to share this episode with you because it really tells a story of an individual who saw a real problem in the way that he was doing work, in the way that we're working with our clients. And there was a pivotal moment that you'll hear in the episode where he had the opportunity to hear and receive feedback from a customer that you know, some people would have cowered and run and given in, but Sunir used that as an opportunity to propel and grow his company into the platform that it is today. So stick around, listen to the end. I'm super excited to be sharing this with you. And if you haven't already, like, subscribe, and share. I'll see you on the other side. Well, thanks, Marcus, for having me here. So I'm the CEO of AppBind, which is a uh, tool that allows any digital marketing agency like yourselves uh, to do more services for your clients, create higher value services by building the actual marketing system and managing it. And the issue we've all had is that you can't actually do that because getting between a customer and their subscriptions is a nightmare because you know, getting between the recurring costs you know, as a financial risk and accounting nightmare, getting between the customer data is really difficult. But Alpine actually is a really simple tool that lets you do this by honestly getting you out of the subscription, uh, but allowing you to purchase the accounts on their behalf and automatically expense it to the client uh, using magic. Uh, well, it's really simple. We create a shared email address and a virtual credit card so that you can sign up for the subscription, but we forward all the emails to you and the customer. So you manage the account, they own it. And the credit card allows you to automatically expense the client. So you're never really in the middle of the risk. But you're creating all that value by saying, yes, client, I'll take care of it. I'll build, build your marketing system, your social media, your ads, your email. I'll take care of all the vendors. I'll get it integrated. I'll get it up and running. But because you own everything, I'm using the subscription manager app line. So it's all here for you, ready to go uh, whenever you need it. Perfect. I would love to know what was the moment. I know like you started in 2018. I'd love to hear the story and the background of that. But what was that light switch moment for you where you where you, you, saw, you saw this problem in the industry and you thought there isn't a solution for this or what exists isn't currently working. I'm going to solve that issue. What did that look like for you? Tell us a bit about that background. I wish I would say that we started. I started on this problem in 2018. No, I started this pro on this problem in 2008. That's when I started on it. So okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> it, I just lost a lot of hair dealing with this. So when I was even younger, in '97, I was 18 in the dot-com bubble, and this is like all licensed software. I worked for a Microsoft dev shop, and I was a software developer. And I, I, I mentioned this because this is where I learned how the industry is supposed to work, and most of the industry is still like this, where customers would call a contractor like we were, and then we would just quote them like a general contractor or quote renovating your house, like, you know, drywall, wood, nails, pipes, conduit, 
tiles, bathroom, whatever, you know, they would buy it. He was like, yep, mm-hmm. they, you, they would go buy it and then they would implement it, like build your house, right? And we would do the same thing. We would go get the hardware, the networking, the Windows licenses, the SDKs, the software, build a system, implement it. But because we built a system, because it's complicated, right? The customers didn't know how to do it. That's why they hired us. You know, we would maintain it for three mm-hmm. years. And when you're maintaining a system for three years, it's actually the secret to selling the next system and the next system, the next system. And those clients, 10-year clients, 15-year clients, you know. So I never thought anything of this when I was 18 because, honestly, humans have been contracting like this since the age of the pyramids, right? It's just how it goes, mm-hmm. right? And then I started the marketing team at FreshBooks here in Toronto where we both live. Uh, and, you know, that's invoicing for service companies. This is 2007. And, uh, you know, I talked to thousands of agencies and whatever, and I saw something really weird happening. Like all the service revenue was really shrinking and the lifetime of clients was getting really short in the Internet era. And I was like, I didn't really understand it. Uh, and then when I started the partnership team, because I believe most software is sold through partners like, you know, agencies, that's how it was. Right. Uh, in 2008, immediately hit the mud that everyone hits. Uh, the question was, you know, I love FreshBooks. How do I get it for my customers? Uh, like, well, you just buy it. And it's like, how? I was like, what do you mean? Like, well, how do I create an account that I can manage, but the customer owns? It's their account. It's like, oh, I don't know how to do that. And mm-hmm. how do I pay for this thing? Because I don't want to get in between the customer's recurring subscription. That's a liability for me, right? It's a financial risk. And I have to then account for it every month because prices go up and down with subscriptions. I don't want to track this on my credit card, you know, because, you know, credit cards are really between the customer and the, and the merchant. Getting between the credit card subscription is like impossible. So I didn't know what to do. Right. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what to do. I knew this was the problem, though, because the opportunity is always uh, to sell through service companies like solution partners because you know clients are like normal like every human you just hire a trusted expert to solve something outside your core competency or you're never going to you know you can't do everything yourself you're going to hire experts right but the and the software industry is meant to support that that incredible uh market of experts and expertise whether it's marketing agencies or devs or accountants or it consultants but then suddenly they're all cut out and they can't build systems anymore. They can't manage them. And that's why all their service revenue mm-hmm. was shrinking. And that's why their client engagements were short. Because all they were doing is recommending the client what to buy. And the client would have to do all the work themselves, right? And, and you can't build a scalable agency doing this. Uh, and I tracked that for years. I spent And I spent a lot of time yeah. trying to fix it on the SaaS side of the company. I realized that was the wrong place to, to solve it. The problem had to be solved from the agency side because really you're managing multiple vendors for multiple clients using your own business model no vendor can tell you what to do about that you have to do that you need something yourself and you know when i when i when virtual credit cards became a thing you know as like the light bulb went off in my mind like this is the way to go because it allows you to use not your own credit card as an agency owner because that will get you super stuck in a client subscription all the liability and that's crazy don't ever do that you can create another card that you and the client can share, right, in some way. And you can put all your business logic on there and all their business models and expensing and make money and add markups and services and retainers and everything you want on there in a very safe way that allows a client ultimately to take control of that subscription at the end of the project so they always own it. It's like magic, magic. And that's what yeah. AppMind is. It, it makes all that magic of virtual credit cards available to any agency so they can say yes to clients I can build I can take care of it for you, which is all the client wants to hear. 
it really is magic. And I'm curious to hear more about like who that ideal customer is. Like we're hearing um, partner agency and then we're hearing the, the customer who the implementation work is being done or mm-hmm. the software is being purchased for. Is this a case where, you know, the the customer, the real end user doesn't doesn't know what they don't know. And the first time they're hearing about this issue or this solution is when the agency presents it? Or is this a a pain point for that user that the agency is coming in and saying, I can fix that? That's a really good question. So uh, I've actually, I have, I've, I've improved my understanding of this after the last two years of like really working with a lot of agencies. And I had my own understanding because I was consulting, you know, I've consulted and I've done, I worked in software companies and, you know, I've been in the, and I've been the client, I've been all three versions of this story. So I've seen it all. And I, but Alpine's really helped me put it together. And a couple of things I've learned. Uh, number one, why do clients hire contractors universally? It doesn't even matter. We're talking about marketing agencies in your case and your audience or devs or an auto mechanic or a nail salon. Honestly, whenever you're going to an expert outside of your, your own system of life, you know, why you're doing it, it's because you have anxiety at some level. You need expertise mm. that you can trust, that can solve a problem that you absolutely need to get done for whatever reason, you know, that you, you just don't have the resources internally. And in a business case, the anxiety is usually very extreme, like, because you ha- often have staff, right? And so going outside your staff to hire some other person yeah. to do the work is like a pretty significant deal. Like your staff will get antsy about that because they lost the opportunity. So, but you do that because the fear is high. And I think anyone who has clients knows that clients are very sensitive to risk, right? But that's what you're selling to them. And I learned this when I was uh, consulting just before AppBind to make ends meet. Uh, I realized that the clients didn't care what I delivered to them. Because, you know, they, they, I mean, I delivered marketing, I delivered partnership, I delivered analytics. But really what they all came away with is that the ones I made them feel calm and like their life was back in, in control, they were happiest. They loved me. Referrals in, infinitely. The ones who I increased the risk for the only because they were working with me, they were very upset. And and like some things like, uh, and this is, this is why, this is who's it for. So. So who whose app I made for is if you're an agency who's dealing with clients who don't understand your technical domain, like marketing, internet marketing is difficult. And, you know, they just want you to say, yes, I'll take care of it for you, for you. And you're delivering, you're promising them not like setting up Klaviyo or HubSpot or WordStream or Facebook ads. You're promising, I'm going to get you customers from the internet. That's all they care about. Get me customers off the internet. Yeah. Right. I don't know how this works. Just make it happen. But they're terrified that you're going to like take them because marketing is a high risk. So they're terrified that you're going you're gonna to somehow control them. You know, that's another fear, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to show them you're professional. Like, you know, you know, like a, like a contractor renovating your house would clean your house afterwards. Like a professional, you'll leave it tidy and neat and organized because that is how you become a 10th yeah. star, you know, contractor. As a marketing agency, it's like, no, absolutely. You own, own and control everything that I, you, that I do. It's all yours. I'm here to work for you, but I'll set it up for you. I'll take care of it for you. Right. Appline gives you that power. And what I found was what was happening before. I'll tell you a story, actually. When I was consulting, I had a yeah. uh, I had this client who was a fashion retailer. He was making clothes and he was building a bricks and mortar store and he was doing the e-commerce site. And I was subcontracted to do the analytics. And we became friends because I was like the adult on the contract with him. You know, so we we're like the older people. And so we got along. And so you you'll be surprised what he said to me at the end of the pro- project. 
so I want him to set up all this analytics software, you know, branch and amplitude and segment or whatever and sign up for it. It's expensive. Uh, I didn't want to put on my credit card. It was all his data. I didn't want to have any of that either. But do you think analytics was a high priority for someone who's literally making his inventory you know, and building a store at the same time? Yeah. You know, this is like he doesn't understand anything that I'm talking about. It's like not even remotely priority. Six weeks to launch. You know, every week I'd ask him, you know, and then 72 hours before the launch of the the website and the, and the bricks and mortar store, he noticed like nothing is done. Like, no phone number is on the site is actually what he sees because they're using TalkDesk. He's like, Sir, why is nothing done? And I was like, well, I, yeah, then I was like, you know, sheepishly, you didn't sign up for anything that I asked you for. Could you please do that? And he was like, you know, he's a go-getter, right? So he's like, okay, uh, get me on a call. Yeah. Just put me, get me on a video call. Show me what to do. 72 hours. I used up one of his 72 hours. Okay. To do this, put your email address in here, put your password in here. Right. Now put your credit card in here. Now click here to invite me. Oh my God. It was like cheating like a child. Things that I should, yeah. it's clerical work that I should be doing. Click here, click there. Right. Yeah. And he's like getting frustrated and he finally let me have it. And remember we were getting along pretty well, you know, and he, but he was all true stuff. He said, Sunir, my plumber is not making me buy my own pipes. I don't even know what this stuff is. You're making me buy. I expected you to take care of this for me. Frankly, working with you is 10 times harder than not working with you. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, stop. I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of it for you. Good. So he gets off because he's freaking out. He's like, he's got a lot of things to do. I understand his reaction. I yeah. would have had the same reaction. I totally understand mm-hmm. him. And I was like, yep. So I bought the remaining four on my credit card and then I canceled my credit card because I didn't want the renewals. I needed to deliver the damn thing. Yeah. I delivered it to him, you know, and I caught, caught up with him a month later. Now, we got along. So he understood, like, where I was. He understood cognitively that subscriptions, I didn't want to buy them. He understood all that. But, and he also understood that I had this idea of AppBind, like, roughly in my head. So I, I caught up with him afterwards. And it's like, let's just talk entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Like, what was your experience here? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah, senior, like, honestly, like, contractors do the work. Like, that's what I expected. Like, you're supposed to take care of it for me. Like, I agree. I can't. Yeah. And, but I can't. I can't because it's too much risk, you know, because of the subscriptions. Like, yeah, I, but I figured you're an expert. You should figure figure that the risk. Like, yeah, but no one knows how to do that right now. So what would you expect? I don't know. But he's like, here's the thing, senior. Mm-hmm. Here's the, I don't really care but really how you solve this problem. Here's the thing. You not only slowed the project down for me and confused me, you, can, you slowed it down for all the other contractors who are, de- who are depending on it this and think about your own business you you had to sprint in the last 72 hours didn't you do an all-nighter i had to do an all-nighter right to to implement it all Mm -hmm. in 72 hours right to deploy who can run a business where you cannot predict your own schedule and where you're doing all-nighter sprints you know that is ridiculous no one can run a business like this and i asked him like you know i was like yeah absolutely and he asked him, like, you know, the plan was I would build the analytics and then I'd get the maintenance contract to maintain and report on the analytics. And then I can do conversion rate optimization on the e-commerce site. And once that's going, I'll get onto the ads, you know, ad optimization and funnels and all sorts of like keep building systems, you know, as you're supposed to do as an agency. One system leads to the next. But, of course, I was fired, mm-hmm. right? He's like, yeah, I mean, of course. Like, once I realize, here's the thing, Sunir. Because you didn't do any of this stuff from the beginning, I got the message that there was like you wouldn't do all the work. So I knew in the back of my head after the store launched, I was going to have to hire someone to take over the stuff. And of course, because you gave me such a bad experience, I'm not, I couldn't hire you. Like it's unre- you were, it's unreliable. And, and you know, you were my guy. I was, you were the guy. You were going to take care of it all. But I understood that because you wouldn't take care of it for me, which is all that contractors are supposed to promise. That's it. It's only one thing. Doesn't care what you get. Nail salons. 
auto mechanics and market agencies. So they only sell one thing. I'll take care of it for you, right? Yeah. So I didn't do that. And so he said, I have to have staff because that's someone I, I know I can rely on who can own it because of the, like, then I own it, everything that happens. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, that's exactly what you should have done. You know, like, you know, that was the correct, that's a correct decision. And that is what was happening. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening to everybody. You know, and I, you know, and one, one agency, I, I told this story and he's like, yeah, you know what? I had this feeling he told me about HubSpot, you know, it's a great it's a great ecosystem for an agency to be in, but he realized something like clients would come and go. They go there's like a wheel with uh, HubSpot agencies where you come and go with agencies. Right. And, but HubSpot keeps, yeah. the, but the HubSpot stays central. Like they never go away. And he said, like, I'm, I basically right. feel like I'm selling the sprinkles, but not the donut. It's like, yeah, that's, that's an yeah. amazing analogy. I'm just doing the labor. I'm just setting up the next version of HubSpot. I'm just doing a little bit of work and then HubSpot keeps all the money. You know, I'm just doing a little bit. Right. Right. And it's like, I understand like the dynamic HubSpot's a great product, sure, and I'm doing a little bit of labor, but the client doesn't actually care about HubSpot, you know, because like most HubSpot customers yeah. are, are normal mainstream businesses. Internet marketing is not a core competency; it's a necessary competency, right? Like they could be right. make, they could be a donut shop, right? They 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 don't really care about internet marketing; they just need it. So it's like I they, what they wanted me to do is just take the internet, uh, like the uh, clients off the internet. I just that's the deliverable. That's all. They don't, yeah. HubSpot's not a deliverable. It's the it's the revenue from the internet. That's the deliverable. Yeah. Because but, but, but I I can't own that deliverable for them, right? You know, because um, I'm not that's built. Such a great story. Such a great story and such like a great analogy to to bring together like what the pain point really is. I mean, like HubSpot's yeah, that that's a great um, example of. Um, you know, how things can really slow, how projects can get backlogged, how things can get off track. And in your case, I will say this, you know, it sounds like you handled it really well, this situation. Hey everyone, it's me, Marquis. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you a bit more about Ditto. If you've been listening to In Systems We Trust for a while, you've heard firsthand accounts of how systems and workflows change the landscape of work for businesses and leaders across the globe. Ever felt like there just aren't enough hours in the day? Is your startup starting to grow and scale and you're wondering how your systems will scale with it? Maybe you're part of a widespread multi-level corporation that needs to update and overhaul its standard operating procedures. Well, if you can relate, Ditto can help. Eliminate team burnout, keep your best talent, and have a clear system in place to help you and your business achieve your goals. Visit thinkditto.com to learn more. I'm curious to know how you are feeling at this point. Like it's early on, you know, you're getting this feedback and you know, we, we know the end result, it launched you into AppBind and, you know, these later iterations, but how are you feeling at that point with this new client receiving this information? Well, like any agency who has had a client yell at them knows that the pit of the stomach feeling where you just know that you've just totally yeah. failed. Because like, again, everyone, even if you don't, you haven't like, I spent two years trying to figure out what is the line. I guess I'll take care of it for you is actually the only thing, you know, and what are the clients buying from you? Common control. I took a long time for me to get there, but like intuitively, we all know that's basically what it is. Like clients like are freaking out and we're calming them down. And if we're causing them to freak out, we know we're going to get fired. That's it. And like, I just felt like I had totally yeah. screwed up. And I was a subcontractor too. I, was, I wasn't just risking myself. I was risking the, the main contractor as well. Right. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a team of people around me, uh, and I was like, screwed. I actually asked my, my the, the main contractor, you know, uh, how he solves it. Like, yeah, we just get the clients to sign up for everything, you know. It's like, but this is what happened. He's like, yeah, that's why we just get to the next client. 
you know, keep going, next client, next client, next client. But isn't how expensive it is to keep buying new clients? Like that's you can't build your way up. And I was talking to this guy who ran this agency for he was a friend of mine uh, as well. And uh, you know he's like he was like stressed out because he was like on this like treadmill constantly. Mm-hmm. And so when I was also feeling at the same time, I was like, I don't want to be an agency like this. Like I don't like I left the reason why I was consulting is I had quit Olark. Uh, I had the idea, I wanted to work on AppBind and some whatever I didn't know what AppBind was yet going to be exactly, but I knew this is what yeah. I cared about. And so I was consulting to just live like to pay my bills. My, my wife was on maternity leave, you know, uh, you know, we're Canadian, so we have a year, right? <laughs> this is another reason yeah. I left Olaf. They're American company. It was incompatible. And also, no I had, you know, I, every time I have a child, I, uh, I, I take it out of my company because uh, I'm a, I'm a, I, I freak out about parenting. <laughs> I just, I had another Shit. podcast interview where I realized, I just realized that I was taking, I took out my midlife crisis on Olark, So I feel bad for them. I think I owe them a Corvette. I think how that works. You're supposed to buy anyway. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you know, when you have your kids, you know, like my, like my whole like risk profile changed. Like, you know, I was a startup that's, guy. I was like, I have a cowboy hat. Yeah. FreshBooks bought me a cowboy yeah. hat. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I have a cowboy hat. It's awesome. Actually? Yeah, they bought me a cowboy hat. Come on. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I, I could go get it later, but yeah, I have one. Uh, I have a great, I have a great Halloween costume where I have a cowboy hat and my kurta uh, from like, so I, I'm cowboy and Indian. It's like hilarious to me. That's, um, okay. Yes. Oh uh, I, 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 but I was like, ah, I'm a startup guy. But then as soon as you have kids, you're like, oh, risk profile in life completely changes, right? And I was like, uh, I can't yeah. take the risk. And then, so I, I did the, I took, I went to Olark thinking it was a step up in my career because I went from, to become CMO there. But what I had done is I had done the right thing on paper, but the wrong thing for me. And so when my third kid was coming, I was like, I always think about my life every child, right? And I was like, I should do something. I should do what I actually care about. You know, and I, I think I'd come to the realization at that point that we're all effectively aristocrats uh, in tech. Like you can't really fail out of this. We've made it. We're all going to retire fine. You know, unless something mm-hmm. catastrophic, like exogenous to our careers happen, like we get super sick or something like terrible happens. Like we'll just keep working. You know, we're, we're we've made it in life. Yeah. And so then you're, you know, once you made it, the question is, what are you making for others, right? So that they can make it. You know, that's, right. you, know, you yeah. know, I don't know if you can see who's on my wall over here, but, you know, I have a certain philosophy in life. It's Gandhi G. Mm. With my gift to myself at Christmas in 2020, because I was tired of the pandemic. I wanted something inspirational um, on my wall to remind myself okay. what life is all about, not just all this freaking out from 2020. Um, but, you know, so how was I feeling? <laughs> I was feeling all these things. I also had a young baby. So I was like, okay, I'd screwed up for the client. Uh, I needed to solve this problem because this problem, I see, I saw it at FreshBooks. I saw thousands, like tens of thousands of businesses because FreshBooks is huge, uh, like suffering the same way. And we could never solve it for them because you, there's no way you, you can't, there was no way to do it, you know? And I was like, finally, I have a, I, I could see things on the way to get there. And I, I knew about virtual credit cards as well. So I, like, I knew that was coming. Uh, and I was like, okay, uh, we got to go. And so then I, uh, my co-founder, Joe, uh, who, by the way, I blame him that we started to have a startup because I would never start a startup without Joe because he's a three-time serial entrepreneur and he has the, he has a risk tolerance that I do not. And so he's like, let's just do it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I was like, some, when I'm freaking yeah, out, I'm in partnerships. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my God. He's great. You know, he has no, uh, sometimes he's afraid of things because uh, every founder is, but he's definitely way more of a cowboy than I am in, in that sense. Although definitely not a cowboy, but, uh, um, and, and did that, did that partnership start in, in 2008 or like roughly after the situation? When did you two meet? And I'd love to know what the, the iteration of, you know, AppBind looked like. So you have this like pivotal moment where you got reamed out, you were put in your place and you said, you know, you're right. I'm going to fix this thing. So yeah. Where did the partnership start and what did the iteration of both the partnership and the platform look like from back then to 2021 where we're at now? So I think I met Joe in 2010 or 11, uh, okay. uh, because he had built a company called it does it, which was a cloud connector, similar to Zapier. And they'd integrate with FreshBooks. Okay. And we really liked the product. Like, uh, it was really, really good. Uh, he eventually sold it to Intuit in 2014, I think. And so it was at Intuit at the time. Uh, but we knew each other through the trade association I run, which is a cloud software association, which is all the SaaS partnership professionals and now increasingly the agencies as well who are trying to work with software companies in order to build this global ecosystem, right, of servicing okay. clients, right, to get together as partners. Uh, so I met him through that and I, you know, every year we would talk, uh, and I, I, you know, this thing about reselling, you know, which is what we call it in the software world, which is hilarious to me because no agency thinks of themselves as a reseller. Cause like, I don't sell your stuff. I sell me, I sell my marketing services. You are a pipe in my plumbing. You know, you are, you're just a, you're just a gasket. You're nothing to me, you know, as I think, I think agencies like the title of reseller though, because it gives them, um, a better position. Right. If you say you're a reseller for Oracle or for, you know, yeah. you know Acumatica or whatever, it, it ties you to that where you're no longer selling yourself because at that point the the client can go find any reseller. Right. And then it's who's going to give me the best price, who's going to give me the best service at that point. So I, I hear what you're saying. I, I just think it, it could go both ways depending on. It can. But I think what they're mostly saying is yeah. certified consultant It's like when they're, I'm the expert, I'm a certified expert. It's sure. what they want. Uh, software yeah. companies just look at them as resellers because software companies, this is the mistake. I don't think it's actually unique to cloud software. I think it's like been a perennial problem for decades or maybe a century okay. in, in, uh, in the chat. Like if you look at the history of tech, technical sales, you know, even like auto parts, it's the same problem. Like the, 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 the manufacturers of the product, in this case, cloud software, view anyone that they immediately deal with as the customer, even though you're not the customer. And this is like, to me is mind bending, but I maybe lived on too many sides of this. I can see that's obviously ridiculous. The marketing agency cannot be the customer because the marketing agency isn't giving free money to their client. Like the money comes from the customer, right? Like the client. And so it's, you're just buying on their behalf. It's like saying, I mean, I can, here's another analogy from, from non-tech, just to give you understanding how this mistake can happen. A gardener a landscaper who's like buying plants for your lawn would go to the nursery to go buy the plants. As far as the nursery is concerned, the gardener is the customer, but the gardener doesn't have any money of their own. It's the end customer, right? Who who gave them the money. You're just, they're just going there on your behalf. It's more that for a plant, you're just buying it. You know, there's a buy sell like action, but the subscription is not the same way because the data this is the issue. The data belongs to the customer. It's being stored by the vendor. So there has to be some kind of direct relationship. But legally, there's no way around it anymore. You cannot actually sell a subscription in that sense. Uh, you can broker. Right. Oh, that's the legal language. But the customer mm-hmm. is paying for it. Um, 
and the agency has to use the customer's money. But, but so what is happening? You're actually a partner. You should be working together as the vendor and the service company, solution company, right, marketing agency to work together to help that customer. That's actually the correct mindset. And any company, any software company who views their agency channel as a partner, you know, yeah. working together for the customer has grown really well. Like HubSpot, again, perfect example. They invested heavily in the concept of inbound marketing agencies. as They built that category. Yeah. You know, they, like, yeah. they, they refer clients, like all sorts of things, right? That is partnership. Yep. You know, people can obviously, well, I'm sure I'll get comments and emails that HubSpot said this or that, but like fundamentally HubSpot has built an ecosystem for agencies so the agencies can thrive, you know, whatever Absolutely. happened, you know, specifically, <laughs> I know just so many agencies that get comments all the time, but, uh, you know, it's, it, they've done well for lots of people. Active campaign is another great mm-hmm. company. They do a lot for their agencies. You know, there's lots of, uh, 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 Moz, uh, you know, is another. You know, they were like the original, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. They've done a great job for agencies. Like they went to work market together, yeah. right? Um, so you asked me what's the origin yeah. of um, the idea. So I'll tell you. Uh, I tell you. So at FreshBooks, I did what everyone does in SaaS. And we tried building it ourselves. And and uh, what you put, what you find is that there is a huge number of things you need to complete in order to build a reseller portal. And keep in mind that FreshBooks competes with QuickBooks, and QuickBooks has something called a ProAdvisor channel, and they have a reselling. It's, it's a resold thing. So you buy a QuickBooks license through your accountant. Very easy to do yeah. with when it was desktop software, because like, the accountant would give you like, a box of QuickBooks. And there you go. I bought it and yeah. sold it. Like, you know, just like anything. I bought like You go to the store, you, you know, it's bought it buy and sell. You know, that's how I need thing works in any normal value chain but subscriptions don't work this way so to make that happen you have to provide some way for the intermediate party create accounts see all the accounts that have created uh somehow either take on the cost to themselves but individually per client because uh they're doing on retainer somehow so you're expensing the you know it's just the expense is part of the overall service package or build the client directly so the client has to get a payment page so they can put a credit card down in or whatever to pay uh, you have to add markups and all sorts of things, and the agency can make money uh, as well. If they're doing a re- like a, like um, uh, they want to make a margin on top of the, the subscription, you need to provide uh, a margin maybe from the vendor to the partner as well. Very complicated uh, to do because um, you have to take your billing engine. You know, if you're doing it as a SaaS company yourself, you have to take your billing engine and rip it apart and then rebuild it entirely for the partner channel. Which I have, I have to tell you. Uh, all of this pisses all these things piss off support finance and product management who have already built yeah. that billing engine it's always hard every SaaS company is difficult to do the billing for because they're all you know they have like one-time charges refunds rebates they add new business lines new features variable billing tiered billing seats usage co- it's so complicated SaaS, you know subscription yeah. billing and then the partner team says, can you take all this apart and like put it back together for now the like the 100 new like billion business models of our partners and, and like, sorry, how many business models do they have? I'm like, a, I don't know, infinite. They can do anything. It's like, oh my God, no, like, no, they, they can, no. Uh, and if you try doing it, you know, it's expensive. Like you can cost like uh, upwards it can cost seven figures actually for larger companies and it's easily six, it's gotta be six mm-hmm. figures minimum. And so we went down this path at FreshBooks. I, I, I had an engineering team allocated to me. And we, or once I was like help product managing like the rebuild of the underlying building engine so we could support these use cases. And it was yeah. just so expensive. And, and uh, 
so we had to kill it. It was a waste of time. No matter how much, it was like a money pit. So the more we poured into it, right, like the more complexity, uh, we just couldn't keep up. And don't forget, FreshBooks is also a billing system for these service companies themselves. So we, you know, we knew the complexity that they wanted. So we couldn't make a FreshBooks quality experience, you know, because we understood what they wanted, like on the, from the client billing side, and we had to align the mm-hmm. vendor partnership billing to that. And it's like this is silly uh but i knew at that point kind of where things had to go like i remember how easy it was i wanted you know when it was was licensed software i was like hey i have like 10 customers i need to buy 10 copies of this thing could you ship me a pallet of these things or can i download 10 licenses you know when the internet happened you ship it to me yeah it's 40 percent list price yep no problem i'll send me the invoice i'll pay you you'll ship it here's my fedex number you know address just ship it to me straightforward yeah done because you're just buying, you know, if you go down to a hardware store, you just, I need some lumber. Okay. Like, they don't care about your customer. Like, mm. here's your lumber. See you later. Hey, what are you building? I don't want to tell you. No problem. No big deal. Who cares? Do you think that whole process and those relationships have become unnecessarily complicated? Like what you just described, it just seems so simple. Yeah. Right? How yeah, it used exactly. to be. Do, you, do, do you think it's evolved in, in a good way for, for partners and for tech um, providers? Or do you think we've, we've gone backward? It's really bad. So it's like the 1970s. Um, if you, okay. if you know, no, I know too much about the history. I had a sack of bite magazines when I grew up when I was in the eighties, cause I was one of those kids. And I'll tell you the, the, yeah. the Gates divorce, you know, it felt like mom and dad were divorcing because it's for me. Cause I grew up with these people. Oh man. I know. Um, I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> I told my wife, there's at least one thing I'm doing better than like the richest person in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's funny. Staying married. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Anyways. Um, maybe if I had hundred billion dollars, I don't know. I think I'd be fine. But the the uh, the uh, so like you no know, in the 1970s was the same thing where the software companies and the hardware companies were kind of unified and then whatever but they would do a lot of like very high touch service and so it's kind of hard to build a channel so that's when you had the uh, you know I don't know if you know the history but IBM had the you know the, their boys in blue and they had all these like sales team and the suits and they had songs they had a songbook for all the salespeople okay. on their own like they were really sales culturally because the software companies had to do all the sales. And what Microsoft actually created was the PC revolution with license software because they figured out how to create end user license agreements using copyright so that you can actually ship software in boxes and with the compu- personal computer into the shopping malls across the United States. And, you know, people talk about the pack of $100 million annual revenue. Lotus 123 made $100 million in today's money in one year. That's how quick that. The PC revolution was. SaaS is ridiculously slow. Wow. So slow. I, okay. People say, oh, my God, it's, like, it's so fast. Like, no, it is the PC revolution. And that was not even a global market. <laughs> that was a very North America, like a U.S. market alone, you know, maybe a little bit of Europe. Wow. Yeah, it's, it was so much faster. I was just listening to uh, people, someone talking about this terrible scam. Uh, it was uh, SoftRam. They, I was like, okay, this is where like, it was just a scam. They sold it. You could double your RAM in your computer by installing some software. It's like, how many copies did it sell? Like 10,000? No, it sold 700,000 copies at $80 a pop in 1995 money. Like, that's how quick... Like, can you imagine selling 700,000 co- like, copies, like, a light, like subscriptions for $80 a year, a year to something that was a complete scam? Like, you know, that doesn't make it, you couldn't even do that. You couldn't even reach 800,000. Constant Contacts sold at 700,000 subscriptions and it took 20 years to get there. You know, it's just like totally different universe. So what's happening 
is that the SaaS companies, they're so used to, because it's been 25 years of living this way, owning the customer beginning to end, they don't know how anymore how to structure themselves so other people can sell their product. And, you know, I get into these right. stories. I'm sure every marketing agency has had this story. They have to take, there's only two, there's two risks. Either you take on the billing risk and the data risk, you know, of being in the middle of the subscription, or you get your customer and give them to the vendor. And that's a different risk where you're basically yeah. risking your, the vendor, like giving your customer away to the vendor or having the vendors like mess with your customer because they're talking yeah. to each other directly. That's another risk, which you have to like, you can't control that one. And so the, 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 yeah. what happens is sometimes the vendors, like the software companies, will talk to your customers directly and try to take them from you. Right. And they they say also they try to upsell them, whatever. And I've, I've like either they just literally they don't trust you as a service partner. Uh, they don't want you and they want the customer directly and get you out of there as fast as possible. And that's terrible yeah. practice. Uh, or uh, they have their own professional services. And so they're competing with you or they're just crazy. They just say anything because they have their own quotas and whatever. So they upsell, cross sell, confuse them. And the client's like they said, like. Yeah. They have all these features. Why don't you doing any of these things? It's like, because it's unreliable. I'm trying to deliver a high, re high performance, reliable result. This will work. I know how to do this, and so I promise to deliver you. But the vendor said you can do these other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is the vendor doing any of the work for you? Yeah, but the vendor said, I'm like, okay, You're right? Can you imagine if you know your my furnace company <laughs> called and said, did you did your general contractor install the HVAC system correctly? Like that question alone is like terrifying because like yeah, I can't remove this thing. Yeah. Well, we got to send in our own professional yeah. and we'll rip apart your house and do it correctly. It's like how much is that going to cost? Yeah. Twenty grand? Like, uh, like that's and some people take that right. I mean, that's not yeah, it's not good. And, and that's yeah, un unfortunately, I've come across that a, a few times, and it's never it's never good. Um, regardless of what is communicated from the the, the vendor and the tech partner on the front end. Yeah, having that customer wrapped up in the middle of it and having you not take charge and lead that engagement is never going to end well, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's yeah. already... Own that's your really customer. Important. Don't rent them. Like, yeah. That's what we're all doing. We're renting our customers. Yeah. Own them. I mean, I don't mean control them, yeah. like, but like, yeah. be responsible. That's what they want you to be. be like, take ownership, yeah. right? Yeah. Be, you're the person. You're the expert. You're the one in charge of this relationship between the vendor and the customer. You have to own it. And it's stronger for everybody, you know? Hmm. There's so much more that I want to ask you, but I know we're running out of time. Um, th that could have been it. But if there's anything else that you would say in your position, you want to communicate to the listeners today when it comes to partnerships, relationships, or what those engagements look like, um, you know, with AppBind or with just tech partners in general, what would be like one tidbit you'd want to leave the audience with today? Well, first, AppBind, it's free to sign up. You can check it out. And it's relative. Like, we only cost 1% of the money running through us it's really about you making money from your customers so it's you know appbind.com app b as in banana ind.com you could i'm sure you put the link in the description we're, we're here to help you be there. and it's all about giving you ownership again but what's the value of ownership once again number one you can start saying yes i'll take care of it for your customer because that's all they want to hear from you and you'll you know that that takes a lot of the risk out of your keeping your clients around for longer Right. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, you will get more service from you because you, once you start doing more things for them, your value increases. Right. Uh, so then you, your service revenue per client will also go up and you can build one system at a time. And there's actually ways to package up your, your services around 
in big chunks. Like, here's our email package, here's our social media package, which includes all the tools that you need, right? Right. And, num- and number three, own the vendor relationships. Not because you want to, you know, hide the vendors. The vet- clients have owned their accounts. Always remember that clients always own their own data. But it's be- mm-hmm. it's dealing with the vendors themselves, with the people there and all the stuff that clients ne- don't necessarily want to talk to them. You know, if you own that, not only do you stop them from risking you know, the, the client handing them over to the vendor, having the vendor screw up your client relationships or taking them, uh, either, you know, by mistake or, or, or explicitly. But more importantly, most of the vendors now are turning around and realizing that they need to work with service companies. I know this from the trade association. There's a big change. They just don't know what to do. They don't even know who, who's doing, who's delivering them clients. Most of us are not even telling the vendors. We just recommend, like, just go sign up. There's no rec- record that this was my client. Yeah. The vendors don't know whom to refer clients to. So if you're sending a lot of clients to the this vendor, you know, ha- talking to them, saying these are my clients, uh, you know, either registering them through their existing partner program or using the AppBind, because we'll, using the credit cards in AppBind, we automatically, you know, know your relationships. And it's some way of showing them. It's, you, there's no, it's proof positive. It's your card on file. You can show them a report from AppBind. Yeah. Your data, of course, not ours. But uh, you can show them, like, these are my clients, right? It's proof positive. These are my accounts. Uh, then they will go, oh, you, you know a lot about our system and you're, you have a lot of clients. You're reliable. Yeah. And then what happens is when you own those relationships, that's when the transformation happens. The vendors will mm. refer clients to you and then your business will transform because you have a stream of clientele now. And that is really where most of the agencies who have gone really big have found uh, vendor referrals have been uh, like the biggest source of growth. And that is the yeah. that is the way out. That's the way out. I can definitely attest to that. Yeah, ditto having partnerships. It definitely makes all the difference to align with with um, partners that make sense for your offering, for, for your customers, for your values. Uh, I would absolutely echo that. Thank you so much, Sunir. It was awesome having this conversation with you. Again, I wish we could keep it going. I think we could talk all day, um, but I think we got a lot of good stuff out of this conversation. So I appreciate your time. Um, Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad you're doing well as well, also here in the Toronto area. So that's great. Take care. Perfect. All right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. Head over to thinkditto.com to learn more about how the team at Ditto can help your business scale by implementing the systems and processes needed to get you there.